Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night sheer, Atlanta, Scranton, everywhere else around the world, California. Pasha's Bullock. Pasha's Bullock. Who's Bullock? Shabbos is Yud Zayin B'Tamuz. Shivasa B'Tamuz. Not a great day on the calendar. This past week was Yud Be'ez Tamuz. The Shir is dedicated. Lila Nishmas Aram Baruch Ben Yud Alevi and Amelia Basara. Who was Bullock? I mean... <laughs> Honestly speaking, who is Bullock? The tailor is naming a parsha after this guy. So last week we had, a, we had an issue with Kairach. No. Naming a parsha after Kairach, that was hard enough to swallow. Lahavdul, Elif all five dollars. Because Kairach ultimately was a Jew. And Bullock is not. And we know, if you're keeping score at home, the Yumari Yuma, Lamed Ches says, Shem is Shayim Yurkev. The names of the wicked should be obliterated. And also the same Gemara, in Yuma, Chazal say that, Shal Le'odam, Likri Levinay Shem Adam Rasha, person who wanted to give a name of a Rasha on first child, Zayit Kedayi Shalei Lantziach, Shame Shadosha, or not to be able to perpetuate that name, we deter the person from doing so. But yet, Teira Hakdoisha names an entire Teira portion on the name of Rasha, Bolok. Bolok Ben Sipur. We already explained once. You'll have to go to the archives to figure out why his name was Ben Tzipur. But, uh, I mean, after all, <laughs> I was just saying now, the stories that we're going to tell tonight by the Shia Mir Tzashem. So we have a, I have a Shia every night that I learn before Mayrev. That's why the Shia starts late now, because the Mayrev is only could start at 9 or 6. And, um, we finished the shear a little earlier. So the guy said, you know, tell us some of the stories you're going to tell about the shear tonight. So I told the stories in Yiddish. Because that's my mother tongue. And as I walked out, one of the guys, I said to him, I said, you know, I'm dreading having to tell the stories in English. <laughs> I struggle. I struggle with wording sometimes in the English because I'm translating it from Yiddish. Okay, enough of my psychiatric uh, evaluation. Uh, why did I say that? Because Bolik ben Tzipir, if you say it in Yiddish, it's Bolik de Zun von Afegel. Um, we could get arrested and put in jail by the um, LGBT 
They come protesting outside my house if they hear that I'm saying, talking derogatory about a fagel. Yeah, a fagel in Yiddish is somebody that's from the other, from the other, not persuasion, from the other, whatever. It's not. Let's stop. Balak ben Tzipper, his mother, his father's name was Tzipper because the black magic that he did with the tongue of a bird, Farshan tells us. But go to the archives, you'll hear all about it. Let us go back into the focus here about what his name, how his name is mentioned, not mentioned in the Teda, but a Parsha is named after Balak ben Tzipper. I mean, Kerach was also not a great guy. But as we said before, Kerech was Jewish. And his children did Shuvah. As we know it says, B'nei Kerech le'imesu. Children of Kerech did not die. Because in the end, they did Shuvah. So between Bolok, who was a Goya, Russia, a Saini Yisrael, anti-Semite, a rabbit anti-Semite, more than worse than any of the other, any other enemies and haters, of the Jewish nation. <coughs> How is it possible that an entire portion of the Teda is called in his name? We're scrapping here in. We're doing some difficulties to hear. Did we freeze somebody here? Atlanta, are you on? Oh man. Okay, I don't know what I did. I did something wrong for Skype. Okay. Okay, we have Atlanta back. I don't know what happened. What happened to the Scranton now? <sighs> so confusing. Somebody else is supposed to be manning this. Anyway. Getting back to the point of the Parsha, how is it that a name of the Parsha is named after such a Rasha? The name Bolok symbolizes detachment, cutting off from holiness from Dusha. Oh, there's Scranton. Hello, Scranton. We made the dedication already from Lili Basara. Okay. The name comes from the Lashon of Bilko. It's brought down in Yeshaya, which makes reference to cutting off, totally detaching. On the other hand, the Shalah Kaddish says that Bolok was a very, very, very big Chochem. He's a very smart man. He was smarter than Bilam, actually. And he knew the entire chain of the Jewish nation. the entire yichus of their royalty. So this is what referring to, of course, Malchus Beis David and Mashiach, which he knew ultimately, ultimately everything would come from him himself, Balak. And Rus Amevia, who David ultimately is a descendant from, and from him, of course, comes Mashiach Tzitkenu. 
Mehera, Viamenu, Amen Ken Yiratsan, as we said last week in the Shia, whenever we mention Mashiach. So it turns out that Mashiach, Dabra Melech, is from a descendant from Balak. That's the case. We gotta put Balak in a whole different light. He falls into a whole different category of spirituality, of holiness. A Kedusha. Why is the camera? The camera is obstructed. What happened to my camera? I turned around the camera. Hold on, there's something wrong with my camera. Camera, where are you? Mm-hmm. No, that's not what I'm looking for. Camera? It's still not. Shemirachim. Camera on. Yeah, the camera turned itself around. How do I turn the camera back? Help. Oh, here you are. Gotcha. We're back. (sighs) Okay. Thank you, Scranton, for bringing up the turned around camera. So we see that we need to look at Karbalak totally different. And take all this bitterness of the wickedness of Balak and turn around to the sweetness. In the beginning, Balak himself was very, very adamantly against any holiness or any kind of anything, and he cut himself, detached himself totally from it. But in the end, Kedusha, Yaina, the highest levels of Kedusha, comes from him, which is David. Um, that didn't work for me I'm trying to add somebody onto the call it's not going in okay anyway I lost Atlanta now Help. No, I didn't. There you are. Okay. Avedis Hashem, serving God, is divided in two different ways. Asei Tev, the doing of good, and Hafei Chaserah Tev, and turning over evil to making it good. Learning of Teda, Kiyam Mitzvahs, is doing good in the purest fashion. But when a Jew fights the battle against evil, and not just fights it, but takes this evil and turns it over to become good, in essence, this is a second way of serving God entirely. And this, of course, gives the Almighty a greater Nachas Ruach than others. Well, phone's not near me. i got to check when you text me. 
Descendant from Bollock, from my, Bollock is from Mayav. Descendant from Bollock of Mayav was Rus, Hamayavid. And Rus was ultimately the, the, from her, she was descendant of Dover Melech. No, Dover Melech was descendant of Rus. I think someone turned off the air conditioner. You now turn it on. You go to the back over there, that front switch pull forward. There you go. It was off, Taka. Okay. Oh. Someone Taka turned it off. Right. Sorry. And this we see is the Moshal, the Aveda of Chuba, which turns over when the person does Chuba, they don't just wipe off their sins, they take the sins and elevate the sins to make them into merits. It's a much higher and much greater thing. In other words, all the sins that the person ever committed become merits for him. Why is this not working? Okay, everybody's still here. Good. So much so that it turns into that we say that the mokim shabal tshuvaim the main tzadikim gemurim lamid sham, where the tzadikim gemurim stand, where the bal tshuvah stand, the greatest tzadikim cannot reach. This type of service to God, the Torah hints when we read in the Pasha, the Taylor called Bullock. The Pasha called Bullock, the Bullock of the Taylor is not the wicked Bullock that we know of. This is the purified and the elevated version. The new and improved. Where's Atlanta, you're good at these things. How could something be new and improved? My camera turned around again. If it's new, how can it be improved? What are you improving on? No, it didn't help. Why is this? Keep doing this. Am I off the air over here? Oh man. I can't tell where my camera is. I don't see myself on the screen, so I don't know. You guys see me on the screen? Can you shake your head yes or no? No camera, he says. Okay. Still not? Why am I getting a camera here? Oh boy. Somebody to run the show here. 
I don't know why this is happening to me. Yikes. That was catastrophic. What just happened? Okay, go back. Help, how are you back? Yeah, I don't know what I did to the thing. I don't know why I'm not getting beat with you. Okay, I don't know what happened to the video. I apologize. I keep trying to turn the camera around. For some reason it's not on. No, it's not giving me a camera, I don't know. Sorry, okay. Okay, thank you. This is noon improved. How does noon improved work? We don't know because if it's new, what is it improved upon? And if it's improved, then it's obviously not new because it's something that was old that got improved. But we'll leave it at that. This bollock that we refer to in our parsha is not the Russia. This is a new and improved bollock. Now what happened? Hatsilu. I don't know. A new and improved bollock. This data says, on such a bollock I can call the name. I can call it Parsha. This is a lesson for every Jew. Sometimes, when a Jew does Cheshmer Nefesh on their situation, and they do a calculation of everything that went down in their lives, of everything that goes on in their lives, and they figure out I don't know why this camera's not working. And they figure out what they have to do to improve themselves. They find in their personal lives dilemmas, crossroads. And they say to themselves, is it me? Did I really cause this? Was I the cause of what happened here? And when they start to think that perhaps it is them, and when they start to think perhaps it's something that they themselves did, a person can sink into a deep depression over this. The tailor tells us, no, that's not the way to go. A person can overpower everything. Not only overpower it, they can elevate it. They could make the best of the worst that could be. 
in the worst scenarios that they have in their lives, they can turn it into the best possible situations. We tend to come across people in our lives. We tend to meet people in our days. And many such people have a great effect, make great impact on our lives. And then, something goes wrong. A knot unlocks, unties, a chain, a link snaps. And sometimes we feel a betrayal. We feel like we're being stabbed in the back. And we look in retrospect and say, what did I possibly do to attract this? What did I possibly do to make this happen? And we find in essence <laughs> Thank you, Atlanta. I'll soon. I'll soon uh, try to clarify that. And we look and we say, something here. I need to work on. We see another Jew that looks like he's totally detached, Chas Shalom. Another Jew or a friend, a boy or a girl <coughs> that does things that are totally, totally not in the realm of normalcy in my life. I would never do such things. It's not me. Do I befriend this person? Or do I tell the person, I'm sorry, you're not for me, you're not my friend, you can't be my friend. Do I seek to compromise my standards? Do I start to change so I can fit in to a society which I know is decadent and wrong? No. No, we stay strong. When we stay strong, we're staunch in our belief. Then we have no problems and no issues. And we can tackle any given obstacle that we confront. And we look at them and we say, but these are supposed to be my friends. Why are they throwing rocks? Why are they stabbing me with their eyes in the back of my head? It's not you. You need to know that you ne- your influence on them needs to turn them around so that they understand and see and respect what you stand for. Until you actually awaken this spark of Mashiach within them. And by this, you ultimately can bring about 
the coming of Mashiach, the Kenan of Gulamit, the Zashlema, Amen Kenyi Ratzin. The Friedrich Rebbe, the previous Lubavitch Rebbe, was in a bunker during the war. And the bunker, he describes, in that bunker was all different types of people. Every different walk of life, every different Jew that you could find. A beard, payas, beard and payas, no beard, no payas. Shetel, spitzel, no shetel at all. All different walks of wakes of life. All different forms of Jews. And you could see that there were those that were uncomfortable being next to the others. The Dawson didn't want to be next to the non Dawson, and the, the non Dawson didn't really want to be next to the Dawson. But they were cramped in a shelter, and suddenly the bombs were falling, and they were getting closer and closer. And as the bomb hit directly above the shelter, the Rebbe says, he writes in his memoirs, every single person there, with a, with a beard, without a beard, with payas, without a payas, with a yarmulke, without a yarmulke, with a shaitl, without a shaitl, screamed together, Shema Yisrael, Shem Elekeinu Hashem Echad. And this, he says, he writes in his memoirs, showed him that the Jew is a Jew of an essence. A Jew has a Jew within himself. Every Jew has the Shema Yisrael within them. Sometimes I look at the fellow Jew and we say, ah, he doesn't possibly have a Shema Yisrael. He doesn't possibly have a fear or love of God a minute. Friedrich Rebbe said, no. I learned this first hand. That come what may, no matter what they look like, no matter how practicing or not practicing they were, when push came to shove, when real life situation came about, they all put their right hands over their eyes and cried out in unison, Shema Yisrael. The same words each one of them called out the same six words. Each one perhaps with a different pronunciation, a different dialect of which they read. But each one of them, those same, that same sentence of God is one. And Bilam looks at our nation and says, Hain on kilovi, yokum is nasei. The lion has many different names to it, interesting. One of them is a lovi, and one is an ari. And he says, behold, the people, they rise like a lioness, a lovi chants a lioness, and raises itself like a lion. We're referring to live prey. 
Bilam compared the Jewish people to lions. And the message explains this. It hints to the vigor which the Jewish people say, Shema Yisrael. They say it with a vigor, with a power, with a yearning, like a lion pouncing its prey. His gaber kari, lahagid babeker. The Shachonarach begins and tells us, one needs to wake up like a lion in order to get up to say Shema and to claim Hashem's kingship. Why the recitation of Shema compared specifically to the lion attacking its prey? Many animals attack prey. Why the lion? Shema begins the declaration Shema Yisrael Hashem Eleikeinu Hashem Echad Hear O Israel God is one God is our God Silas explains this means that everything in existence is actually an extension of the divine energy the divine energy that Hashem created the world with and that Hashem continues to create the world with and perpetuates the world with even the Yetzirah the evil inclination, the negative inclination, has a godly purpose. And therefore, how do we continue Shema? With Vyahafta. Vyahafta, Sashem Alekecha, love God, you God with all your heart. And the Mishnah in Barakas, if you keep me score at home, Pedic Tess, Mishnah Hay, explains, this means all your heart, all your passion, all your desires, even the desires that come from the evil inclination. should be directed and devoted to the service of God. If you keep me scored home, the Gemara Bab Metziah paid Dalin Amaralaf. Rabbi Yechanan says, if you invest in Teda, the same energies that you used until now for wrongdoing, you will accomplish to what God is asking from us. This, therefore, explains why Bilam compared Shema to a lion seizing its prey. Because according to the Gemara, as we say, another Gemara, if you keep in score at home, in Baba Kama, Tez Zayin Amit Beis, 16 side 2, 
that the lion eats its victim while it's still alive. Other animals first kill their prey and eat it. And this is analogy to the message of Shema. The ultimate service of God. You don't have to drain the Yetzirah. You don't have to eat him up. You don't have to kill him off entirely to say Shema. You can eat it alive. Absorb it within the channels and the passion of God and the service of God. Another of the blessings of Bilam, where Bilam was coming to curse the Jewish nation, but instead he blesses them. And he says, There's no sorcery in Jacob. There was a town near Liadi. And in, Liad, there, in that town, there was a very, very young Talmud Chochem. He was a learned fellow. He knew his stuff. And his father in law used to support him. His father in law used to look after him. You're sitting and learning. As long as you're sitting and learning, I'll take care of you. And so, one day, the father was getting older. He was no longer able to support him. The fellow went out to work himself. lost everybody here. What is going on? Did everybody turn off their cameras? Is that what happened? I don't know. Why is my camera not working? Makes no sense. Just stopped working. Okay. And so the son-in-law the Talmud Chochem had to unfortunately go out himself to work. He went out to work himself and he started to buy merchandise, started to sell. It was working. On the way back once from a fair, he had bought a good deal of merchandise. It was well stocked, shall we say. Wagons were full. And as he's riding through the forest, he realizes ah, in two days will be the holiday of Shavuos. I always spend Shavuos by the Rebbe, by the Alter Rebbe. 
first Chabad Rebbe. I have to be there now too. And he left his wagon in the middle of the forest. And he traveled to the Alter Rebbe Shavuos. He came to the Adi. It was Mincha time already. And the Rebbe saw him. He told his son. Told his son. This boy, this young man, he has self-sacrifice. The son of the Altarebbe was very shocked to hear this. That was a big compliment. Give me a cup of cold salt, His father never said such things. His father didn't say anything to this fellow. Later, the son went over to this young man to find out why his father said this man is such a self-sacrifice and heard his story that he left everything in the forest and came. He understood what self-sacrifice was. Thank you. He understood where self-sacrifice was. So, after Yom Tif, this fellow went into the Rebbe, the Alta Rebbe, private audience, And the Altarebbe told him, you're going to find your wagon intact. It's all going to be there. But, so the man said, fine, thank you. And the man said to the Rebbe, this business is very time consuming. It doesn't allow me time to sit and study Tera, to daven. It's, it's very time-consuming. The Alter Rebbe said to him, find an inn. An inn that has a tavern, what we'd call in the olden days a kretschme, and you'll be able to run a business your wife will be able to help you with the business and it will give you time it will afford you time to sit and study Tata no the Altarebbe told him such an idea he'll look into it
Then, Chosid left, came back to the forest where his wagon was, and lo and behold, it was standing there in one place. And a few seconds later, a pirate comes by. A uh, nobleman. And he asked the Chassid, How did you do that? You left your wagon unattended. So the Chassid started to laugh. He said, I didn't just leave it unattended. It's unattended already for three days. <laughs> the nobleman thought he was very cute. He was so amazed to hear this. And so amazed to hear that the Rebbe gave this man a bracha. He said, I see you're straight and you're honest. So Vezos, he says, I have an inn. It has a tavern. Great location. Why don't you take it over? I'll lease it to you. The young man says, but uh, I don't have a penny to my name. So the poet says, don't worry about it. I'll spot you. I'll lay everything out that you need to buy vodka, to buy beer, to buy whatever you need, food. In time, you'll pay me back. Givaldi, Chassel went home, he sold all his stock, and they told everybody they're going to move to this inn. People started to scream and to yell, don't you dare. That inn? No, 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 no. Next door to the inn is a mechashef and a mechshefe, a sorcerer. And they do black magic on their Jewish neighbors. And any, the Russian, old Russian couple, any Jew that had the, the inn, within the year Nebuchadnezzar died. Don't, don't go there. It's not a good idea. And he said to them, listen, the rabbit told me to take an inn. And this inn came along. I'm not scared of witches. Leave me alone. Within a few months, his business was doing very well. He paid everything back. He was doing well. But he started to feel weak. He started to feel so weak that he really couldn't walk. And it was getting pretty serious. And he realized that he's not in good shape. He decided to travel to Liadi, to the Alter Rebbe. And he arrived in Liadi for Pasha's Bullock. On Friday night he couldn't even get to Shul. Shabbos day, in the middle of the davening, they dragged him into shul, put him in the back. And the Al-Tarebbe used to lean, lead the Tera, he used to read the Tera. He was the Bakeda. And the Al-Tarebbe, the Bakeda, he turned around, he told the person that was calling up the people to the Torah, he told him for the fifth portion, I want you to call up this fellow. They were shocked. 
They didn't know how the Alter Rebbe even knew he was there. She came in the davening. The Alter Rebbe was davening already. But the Alter Rebbe called him up for Hamishi. He called him up for Hamishi. When the Alter Rebbe came to the Pesukim that said, Kilei Nochosh B'Yakov, the Alter Rebbe started to scream. Kilei Nochosh B'Yakov. Over and over he said it. And his eyes were blazing. And the Alter Rebbe stopped and went into a state of dvekus. <coughs> finally, saying the words over and over, and finally he continued reading. After Shabbos, the young man felt his health returning to him. <coughs> and lo and behold, he returned totally to his health. Al-Tarebbe called him over and said to him, Don't worry. Shem is going to help. You're going to be well. Because they nachash biyakif. Again, the Al-Tarebbe repeated the Pasuk. On his way home, as he traveled, he got healthier and felt stronger. And as he arrived in his village, they came and they told him, Did you hear what happened? This is what happened. Says so the guy and the wife, the mechashef, um, the machshefa, sorcerer, and his wife died. He says, really, when? So they told him, Shabbos. Said, what time? They told him, in the morning, and they told him the exact time that the Alter Rebbe was screaming, Kileinachash Biyakriv. Then he turns around and he says, Mimana Afar Yaakov. Who's counted the dust of Yaakov? To which Rashi explains, is uncountable mitzvahs. Afar, whenever we say like the sand of the earth, sand of the beaches, it's a reference to saying it's unlimited, boundless, no bounds. Bilaam's plan to curse the Jewish people we know was totally foiled by the Abishtar. Not only did he not curse them, but he blessed them. Describing how the Jews were so dear to God, he said, Who has counted the dust of Yaakov? According to one interpretation, Brother Rashi. Bilam was saying even just the mitzvahs they observe that involve dust is innumerable, are innumerable, innumerable. And Rashi brings examples. The Jewish people may not put together an ox and a donkey when they're plowing, it's a climb. 
cannot put in the fields mixed seeds. Klein. Shatmas. Klein. They needed to use the dust ashes of the red heifer, as we spoke last week. They used the dust, the offer, for examining the saita, as we spoke a few weeks before, Shvuas. And the Medrashim enumerate many more mitzvahs that have to do with dust. But Rashi names only four in particular. And in doing so, Rashi hints the mitzvahs involving dust are not only numerous, but they're actually innumerable. Rashi's first two examples have to do with agricultural prohibitions. And at the time of the Taylor, that's basically what people were doing. They were farmers. So by fulfilling the laws related to plowing, planting, they had to constantly be on their toes. Whenever they plowed and planted, they had to make sure it was done as kosher as possible. In the same vein, of course, the mitzvahs involving the ashes, the paraduma, and the dirt used for the seita, have also an element of immeasurability. It's not a one-time occurrence. Because in addition to using the ashes to maintain purity of an Israel, we're commanded to set aside, as a zikarin, they had to set aside some of the ashes. So this mitzvah has a perpetuality. It's continued on and on. And the same with the seita. It's considered mitzvah dust throughout its use, as long as it's effective. And this, of course, includes the effects the Satan's waters of the woman's future. She's cleansed, she'll bear seed, etc. And it brings bigger blessings into the marriage if everything is okay. Says Bilam, a Jewish nation that does mitzvahs in such a measure can never be affected. Simon Tzemotzedek, there was a lot of problems with the gunas, husbands that ran away from wives. In one such family, a fellow that was a pharmacist, and the business unfortunately dissipated, and it was very, very hard on times. He was losing his house, he was losing everything. Boy, Yim, his wife, who was a shtickle relative, begged and begged and pleaded with him that he should go to the Tzemach Tzedek, third Chabad Rebbe. Finally, reluctantly, he acquiesced to travel. And he arrived by the Tzemach Tzedek, and he said he'd like to see the Tzemach Tzedek. 
And the immediate answer was, okay, about three weeks. Three weeks? What am I going to do for three weeks? He was not a happy camper. But then they asked him his name. The guy realized this fellow was a relative of the Rebbe's, and he said, okay, I'll get you in tonight. And as he came into the Zemach Tzedek's office, Zemach Tzedek smiled at him. And he was so taken by the beautiful smile of Zemach Tzedek. And Zemach Tzedek says something very interesting. Shalom Aleichem, family member, why don't you join us for dinner tonight? My wife would be so happy to see you. No. Who can complain? Who can say anything wrong now? That I was inviting you for dinner. Came for a long journey. And that's it. They came for dinner. They discussed family matters, relatives, relations. There was no time for him to say his problems and his complaints. Dinner finished, they benched, and he left. He realized, I saw the Rebbe twice and not a mention of a word of my situation. So the next day he goes to the Gabbai and he says to the Gabbai, do me a favor. I need to get into the Rebbe again. And the Gabbai gets him in again. And as he comes into the Tzamatzedek, now it's more business-like. And he starts to tell Tzamatzedek how his business fell apart. He had a pharmacy. And Sebek says to him, I once read in a paper that in Kiev there's a German pharmacist who's looking for help. And Sebek opens his drawer, takes out some money, and says, This should cover your ticket. fellow didn't even dream what he was talking about took the money traveled home <clears throat> his arrival home he told his wife he didn't tell his wife everything because it, on his way home he realized he never mentioned about his daughter whose husband disappeared he told his wife what happened and his wife said goodbye and he used the money they bought the ticket to Kiev and he was off to Kiev he arrived in Kiev, and it was not hard at all. He found the pharmacy of the German owner, and indeed he was looking for help. He said, I don't know how you knew I was looking for help, because I didn't put it in the paper yet. But you hear, Kumarbit. And he worked. And the guy saw, he knew, he knew the business. The guy was very impressed with him. And immediately he rose to manager, his salary is sufficient and he was, be, he was able to send money home and get back on his feet. Came Pesach, he wanted to be home for Yom Tif. So he approached his boss and he says, I'd like to go home for a month. He said, okay, go to the Lo and behold, as soon as he arrived home, he gets a message. His boss needs him desperately back in Kiev. And he told him 
I have a very, very lucrative business deal for you. Came running back to Kiev. The voice told him as follows. It's my 50th birthday. I'm inviting a lot of dignitaries. <clears throat> a lot of very important people. You're very, very talented with organization. I want you to organize the party for me. I'll pay you. Pay you well. And lo and behold, Bell did a wonderful job within four or five days. And the party was happening. And it was a happening party. Everyone from every walk of life was there. And the Jew himself was greeting the guests because he was the maitre d'. <laughs> Imagine all of a sudden the Jews saw somebody. Shocked him. Started to shake and to tremble. And he went, the boss saw him, saw something was wrong. He took him off to a room and he said to him, Are you okay? And he said, I'll tell you the truth. He says, My daughter was married for many years. The children and everything, one day her husband upped and disappeared on her. She can't remarry without a get. And I saw him here tonight. The man said, Really? Where? And he pointed at the Galach, the priest sitting there. The boss says, Listen, I know you. I trust you. If you say so, let me get him in here. And he brings in the Galach and he confronts him. You were married to his daughter and you ran away, huh? Galak says, Sir, I'm a priest. I'm not allowed to marry. Never married. So the man understood right away something's not... It doesn't make sense. He doesn't make such mistakes. He took out his revolver and he put it in the guy's face. He says, Now tell me the story quick. The guy started to scream and yell, Okay, 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 okay. It's true. I was Jewish. I ran away from my wife and I converted. Now I'm a priest. Uh, they got a rabbi, and they got a sefer, and they got Adam, and they immediately had a get written up. And the fellow saw how the Tzemach Tzedek not only knew where his Panasa would be, but knew where his daughter's husband would be as well. But even though he didn't ask the Tzemach Tzedek about the husband, the Tzemach Tzedek knew exactly what was going on. And if you would ask the Tzemach Tzedek, he would tell you, I couldn't imagine the guy was there. How did I know? The guy would be there. The guy told him to make the party. He made the party. I didn't know he would be there. So let us, this week is Shavas Thomas. I didn't speak a word about it. The fast starts on Sunday morning. Um, Shabbos will be feasting on Shabbos Vatamas, as we will do three weeks later on Tishabov. Begins the three weeks, no music, no haircuts. Um, we have to try to be memayat a little bit in our simcha, in the general world we feel that way. 
the Achenu Asfardim only keep in Shua Shechalbo, and since there is no Shua Shechalbo, for your Shabbos, Maisik, Shef, they don't do anything. It's all good for them. Anyway, may these days be Yahavchu Yamel, Asas, and Asimcha. We're going to Mitzvah Shem start learning next week the three things that are relevant to the three weeks. Uh, we'll mention a little bit from the Yeshaya and from the Mishnayis Midas and from Rambam Hilchus Beis Abachira. May we merit before we start that to have Pinchas Elio reveal himself to us and tell us that Hine Hine Mashiach Bo, and we find ourselves in Yerushalayim Rakedish this Shabbos. Mehra Yemenu Amen.